Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad, you know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace in many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day, day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. My day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. If anybody records themselves, I got 20 bucks right now. If you record yourself saying at that at the next Thanksgiving at your house, uh, if somebody's like, who wants to pray? You'd be like, I got this. And then you say that, it's yours. Uh, just send it to me. Uh, my name is Chris Kimston. If we haven't gotten the chance to meet, I am the adult discipleship minister at Hope Waukee. You might have known me in another stage of my life. Uh, I was the young adult minister at uh, Hope Des Moines, now known as Hope Elam. I now work out at Hope Waukee uh, doing adult discipleship out there which basically just means I do uh, classes and teaching and different things out there. Super excited to be visiting you all back here. Um, I suggested uh, some new uh, fonts and logos and stuff. Apparently, uh, Revive just in Papyrus is not what they were looking for. Like, Revive in, like, Comic Sans. They're like, Chris, that's not professional. I'm like, okay. So good luck with your dumb new logo. Anyway, um... (laughs) Uh, no, it'll be super great, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> how do we come back from this? Um, so actually, Jamie sent me that clip uh, this morning, uh, because I was actually between two other clips that depict prayer. Prayer actually gets depicted a lot in pop culture. Uh, the other ones I was thinking about, uh, Hope uses a lot, the Talladega Nights one, yeah, where he's like, they're arguing about how they like to think about Jesus. They're like, I like six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. And the other one's like, I like to picture Jesus shirtless with angel wings, singing lead vocals for Skinnerd. Uh, uh, or my favorite. 
favorite one that they say is, uh, I like to picture Jesus as a samurai fighting off evil ninjas or whatever it is. And um, the, the other one that I almost used was the greatest movie ever made, Christmas Vacation. Has anybody seen Christmas? Not greatest Christmas movie, greatest movie ever. I mention this every time I'm here, but it's just important because I feel like some of you haven't seen it yet. So um, the, in that, they ask Great Aunt Bethany, who is like 460 years old, uh, they ask her, they say, uh, we want you to say grace. And she's like, she died 30 years ago. And they're like, no, the blessing. And so she folds her hands and then eventually says the Pledge of Allegiance. And I, the reason I think that that's so great, along with all these other clips about prayer, is if you were to ask me to depict what prayer actually is, I wouldn't list any of these clips. But prayer has occupied this really, really interesting place in society and Christian culture um, alongside uh, what I would call true, honest, genuine prayer. It's, it's, it's in this weird part in the zeitgeist and a part of our foundation of both church culture and has slipped its way into popular culture sometimes, maybe not always with the best depiction, but um, it fits within our current series, which uh, Jamie and friends have called Relentless Hope. I see what you did there because the word Lent and it's Lent and Relent. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty slick. So, um, the it's it's like a dad joke. I'm a dad, so I get I get to be happy about that. Um, and so, you have been looking at ways uh, to kind of get away or escape or ease this relentless pressure, stress, anxiety, hecticness. Uh, I, Jamie and friends have referred to it, I think, as noise. And I think that's actually the best way to say it is that there's just this static kind of at the back of everything where it just is constant and drives us, like kind of, just kind of grinds your gears. It just kind of, it's like bone on bone. It just, you get tired after a while. And uh, we're in this season of Lent where it's supposed to be this really holy, wonderful, great experience, ideally. And it's a, during a really busy part of the year, depending on if you're still in school somehow and you're, you're going through the end of finals or whether it's the uh, life transition is really hard uh, from season to season. Uh, it, tomorrow is officially, in my brain, the thick of uh, spring. And so it's, it's okay that it snowed today, but tomorrow is off limits. So, um, it'll, it'll be in, you know, the whole, uh, kind of thick of things we all are, and we find ourselves in this really, really tough space. Um, so, uh, you guys have looked at, uh, worship, eliminating hurry and other things that I'm sure you can find on the podcast and online. And if you, you can find that a bunch of different ways. If you missed any, I would encourage you to go back because all of these things are designed to help you enter this, this trickiness of this season, this, this tiredness, this weariness that you have in your spirit. And hopefully we'll give you tools in order to, uh, to, to be led towards both your most authentic self as well as uh, the God that's pulling you into what's next for you. And uh, we are definitely talking tonight, as I already mentioned, prayer. It's something that a lot of people, depending on what uh, tradition you come from, uh, we have a lot of different you know, uh, denominational religious experiences happening. Uh, people have had a number of different stories when it comes to prayer. My experience is that uh, typically, um, you find people gravitating towards one or the other polar opposite. Um, and I know we're all, we usually find ourselves in the middle here, but maybe you identify with one or the other. There's one, which is when it comes to prayer, the person, prayer is the fabric with which I live. Uh, I have 30 devotionals, 12 meditation apps. I brush my teeth with prayer in the morning and I might be able to float. We all know those people that like, they just seem to like be kind of otherworldly and, and, and almost inaccessible with this like uh, relationship 
relationship they have with their prayer lives. Uh, or there's the other one, which is I'm not one of those woo-woo folks with their essential oils and candles and kombucha. And you're like, I'm a realist. Uh, prayer is a nice practice. It makes me feel better. It has brain benefits, but I'm not going to pretend like I have superpowers or anything, right? Like you... And, and the funny thing is I say those and one of those sounds extra ridiculous to you, but the person two seats down probably thinks it's the other one. We find ourselves all over the map with prayer. And what I'm here to talk about tonight is how prayer might speak into this place. Instead of one of those polar opposites, it's not about what vibe you have or what aesthetic you subscribe to, but instead it's about how might a relationship with God, how might how we relate and communicate with the God of the universe that knows us better than anything, if we learn how we're able to do that in our own stories, how might that help us get away from this unrelenting noise? Sound good? Are you alive? That was a pulse check. Um, so uh, we are going to jump into our scripture reading for this evening. You heard the message read earlier. I'm going to read the NIV so you get, we get all of the different translations going. Um, feel free to take out your internet rectangles, or um, if you have a, a, a Bible that folds, you can do that too. Um, we're going to Matthew chapter 6. I'll give you time to find it, so do the thing. There's no wall here. I can see all of you. Feel free to pull it out. Uh, your brain makes more and better connections as you uh, see words in front of you. And as you find that, Matthew is uh, one of the four books named after dudes, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, uh, in, in the way the Bible is organized now, is, is the first book in the New Testament. Um, it's not technically the first chronologically written. That's a different sermon for a different time. Uh, Matthew is a giant collection of, of uh, teachings that Jesus has. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story about Jesus, but Matthew has a specific focus on teaching. One chapter before this is the largest collection of Jesus's teachings that we see throughout the Bible in the Sermon on the Mount. And come chapter six, Jesus is still teaching. So um, we're going to go into Matthew at chapter six. We're going to start here in verse five. It goes something like this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you. It's a fra that's actually a phrase uh, in Greek that people would say all the time. The Greek phrase is amen, amen, lego soy. Amen, amen, lego soy means really, really, I tell you, like truly, like listen to me, please. Truly, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask them. In talking about praying, Jesus' description of prayer starts by referencing what it's not right? And it's interesting that Jesus does this by referring to a type of prayer that even if there were people uh, just kind of in the peripheral uh, with uh, following his disciples, but like maybe we're just going to check it out, like, and it applies to us too. Even if you're not a super spiritual person, we all know the type of people that he starts to identify right away as, as what not to pray like. And I'm talking about the prayer that people, uh, people who make prayer a big public display, uh, good old Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation that we read earlier, uh, 
he, he wrote that specific, he wrote the whole translation, but as he wrote this chapter and translated it, takes a lot of liberties with the, with the language in the chapter, but he absolutely nails a couple of key things here. Because our traditional language that we read it, that I just read it in, is where Jesus tells us all his followers to go to a secluded place to pray. Jesus is like, don't do that like those guys do. Um, go to a place by yourself but not because it's a hardened and fast rule. Jesus is not like, it doesn't count if you're not alone. It's not because God hears you better there, and it's certainly, certainly not because prayer is meant to isolate you from other people. Peterson, in the message translation, says in verse six, and you heard it read uh, so well in the Bible reading, find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. What's being articulated here is that sometimes our prayer can be as much, if not way more, about the other people in the room than it is about God. You ever meet somebody that prays what I like to call horizontally? <laughs> Instead of praying, if we're using tiered language, which isn't necessarily true, God's not up there and we're not down here, God's here with us too. But if we're using that kind of imagery where we're like, I'm gonna pray to God, but then they look up and they are praying about everybody else, Right? All of a sudden, you're like, I don't actually know who this is for. And an example of this might be like if your roommate uh, is stealing your Cheerios and you guys are praying before a meal, you're like, Lord, thank you for providing us. Help us to respect and love each other and our possessions. God, put in our hearts a conviction for justice and mercy. And you're like, this is a little pointed. You start to get really spicy. You're like, Lord, I know the thief comes to kill and destroy. But... <laughs> You're like, you're like, okay, that, yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, is this. You can pray and actually not be talking to God. And you, maybe you have been. I, we actually, I would wager to guess that most of us have and do on the regular. You can simply be doing an impression of what somebody praying looks and sounds like, right? Like Ben Stiller's character in the clip but, and, God, and our God is good enough that God's still with you in those moments, by the way, side note. But if you've removed, uh, as Jesus was talking about, if you've removed a lot of those exterior pieces and it's just you and God, that setting might facilitate a better setting for you to be honest with God. Jesus is just give, isn't giving uh, prescriptive rules about prayer. Jesus is giving really helpful tips here for you to be honest with yourself. So that's the first thing, talking about removing this performative aspect about prayer. Now, the second thing that Jesus does here, um, it actually speaks to me more directly than uh, like telling off hyper-religious public prayers because like I'm already all about that. Like I'm like, yes, let's make that stop. But um, I feel a little called out on the second part and maybe, maybe you do as well because in our human brokenness and our finiteness and our limited sense of perspective, we are often led to believe that more is better. And it feels like it makes sense as it often does in reinforced in culture, right? If you score more points, you are better at basketball. If you make your company more money, you are a better entrepreneur, investor, business person. Um, can you tell I know a lot about business? Uh, even in our regular worldview, we want to get more for our money. We want to have the greatest value of the thing. We want the most of the thing that we're buying for the least amount of money that we can pay for the amount of the thing we're trying to get, even when it's not necessary or even helpful, because it totally makes sense. But here's an example about this, right? 
a large soda at come and go. <laughs> Uh, is the greatest value for the money. It's like you're getting the most of the thing for the money. A large, don't fact check me on this, I did just brief research. The large, you have my permission to go get a large come and go soda to, for sermon research this week. A large come and go soda, I think is 100 ounces. A large, that's not large, that's seismic right? Nobody needs that specifically, but what happens is that the, our, our excess, right? Our excess is tapping into the power of more, and it's making it valuable to us. And make no mistake, I am not calling, shot, these are not shots fired at come and go or anything. I love all of this. There has never been a family bag size of Doritos that I look at and I say, uh, I am my own family today, thank you. Like, it's... So it, it, speaks to my, it speaks to my personality. I, I've taken all the personality tests, Enneagram 7, yellow color test, all those things. I love the fullness of life. And the sense of more is better doesn't necessarily yield the same positive results for everything. And where this applies to us spiritually is that we bring the same value of more to our relationship with God. And Jesus is calling this out because it's messing with some of our spiritual practices. And here's the really interesting thing. I named the whole large soda thing, right? And it seems very modern and specific to our like America context. Like you'd be like, this is obviously a, West, uh, a, a Western culture 21st century issue, right? Because it certainly is. But notice that Jesus is addressing the issue of more to people thousands of years ago on the other side of the world. This is a human issue. They were struggling with the same thing. It's different than going to a solo place because we can and often do go to a solo place and even when we're by ourselves, we still feel like we're doing a thing with prayer. We still feel like we're doing a performance. We still feel like we need to do better because what it's really about is whether or not God is going to grant us the desired outcome of what we're asking God for. We wanna to pray to God but if what we pray to God is outcome-based, then of course we feel like we have to perform better. If we pray outcome-based prayers, then of course we feel like we need to perform. If it's all about what God is going to give us, then if we just do better, then so will God for us, right? It makes sense to us. The opinion of the day, even in Jesus' time, was that sure, they needed a relationship with God, but that relationship was comprised of a performance and then a reciprocated um, blessing based on whether or not you did it right or not. If they did more of the things that God wanted them to do, if they were more of a spiritually righteous person, you know, like uh, they followed all the dozens of rules, uh, then God would respond by giving them more of what they wanted because, well, they earned it. That's what prayer was for them. And sometimes that's what prayer is for us. And a lot of us try to finagle with our language when we talk to God. I don't know, I, I catch myself doing this. This is full transparency, like where you're like trying to phrase something a certain way in your head because I'm, I'm all about words and like trying to get the right thing together. And I'm like, whoa. And you pray and you're like, oh, this is a good prayer. Like, like you feel like you're nailing it and, and maybe it's gonna quote unquote work, right? We try to finagle our language when we talk to God because we want God to give us certain things and we come by it honestly because honestly, if we take a second away from the whole prayer thing, a lot of our relationships in our lives also behave in this exact way. We behave in such a certain way with people in our lives that they will behave a certain way in return. 
We wear our work mask. I'm not even talking about COVID masks. These are masks way before COVID. We wear our work masks. We wear our church mask, our friend mask, our spouse mask, or whatever that happens to be. And then we wonder, man, at the end of the day, why am I so tired and I feel like I don't know who I am? Well, it's because you took off the mask and you don't know what your face looks like, right? Like you, it's this thing that we do and our relationships are all performative and then we wonder why we can't pray honestly to God. Well, it's because maybe people in your life don't know who you actually are and maybe you don't know either. A lot of us were taught either implicitly or explicitly that this is what we had to do in our relationships, I know I was, and in different ways, this is reinforced to us either by people in our families or even just by society. But Jesus is talking about so much more than just how to talk to God. The reason why I got psyched about getting to talk about the Lord's Prayer tonight is because the Lord's Prayer models what right relationship with God looks like. And before we get into what the Lord's Prayer looks like, what what I want you to hear me say, I am not trying to Uh, like devalue the prayer experiences you've already had in your life. I think sometimes when people come up and like, I'm gonna give you a new outlook on life. I'm gonna give you the new, the, the big new thing that's gonna just change your life. Even if you've done performative prayer your whole life, God still loves you and has been next to you and leading you the whole rest of the way. And that's why God is so good. What, what you need to hear from me is that God wants to lead you into more things. God's not angry because you've done it wrong. God's not, and we, because we all have. What I'm here, simply here saying is that our God is here going, no, 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 I wanna show you what living is really like and is gonna use the Lord's Prayer to teach about it. So if we pick up, um, feel free to jump back into where we're at. Remember, we're in Matthew chapter six. So we just talked about what prayer shouldn't be, right? Let's back away from that. And then um, in verse nine, he says, then, this then is how you should pray. And again, I'm in the NIV. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And more gets added on after that through um, time and tradition and such. But prayer, in this case, is about honesty. Prayer is not about outcome. Prayer is about honesty. It's not about outcome. In a world where these disciples were used to hearing a myriad of memorized scriptures, grandiose language, essentially they were gatekeeping the presence of God. The Lord's prayer is as simple as it can be. And because we have heard, maybe if you grew up in the church, you've prayed what I just read, you're like, you can go into like, you could probably like wrap that like Busta Rhymes fast and be thinking about your Trader Joe's shopping list. Like, because it's just like in your body. You can just say the Lord's prayer super, super fast. And... It, it means nothing to you anymore. We'll address that in a little bit. But um, the point is this. A lot of times we can lose in the English just how powerful and just how completely simple that prayer is. 
As we look at it, I hope that, you, uh, that, that maybe we can see that a little bit clearly. Subject matter-wise, one thing that's really easy to do, and people do this. I've been to seminary. They try to do it there too sometimes. It's, it's really easy to get caught up in this trap where you go, okay, so Jesus told us how to pray. So let me just dissect that and I'll just pray those things every time and then I'll have the perfect prayer and then I will have unlocked the glory of God and I'll just be like, just... PlayStation 5's everywhere, right? Like, but, now you know what I prayed for. No, um, they're, just, they're just nowhere in stores, you guys. Anyway, um, subject matter-wise, I know for a fact, for example, there are six main petitions that are made uh, in the Lord's Prayer. There are six main things that people are asking about. I'm not gonna talk about any of them um, because it actually doesn't matter because you can think maybe, well, we're supposed to pray for those exact same six things. But once again, what that's missing is the heart of what Jesus is trying to say because all of a sudden you're caught up into performing again. All of a sudden you're trying to pray the perfect prayer. You're trying to pray the perfect prayer again. Instead, the prayer that Jesus gives us is a demonstration of the process by which we can sincerely, genuinely come before God and express our base level needs of life. Jesus in this prayer acknowledges who he's talking to. He says, our father in heaven, please, whatever you want to have happen, please have it happen here. He then asks that he's provided for and protected. He hopes for both the ability to forgive others and be forgiven himself, which he might not need, but he's instructing us. He then prays for the ability to stay away from evil and brokenness. I don't know about you, but I've actually gotten really tired in my life trying to dance in my mind around what I'm actually supposed to think and feel about things. Like maybe your filter has gotten such that you're like, how do I really think about that? I know what I'm supposed to think about that, but how do I really like think and talk about that with other people? And we have the same filter with God. That the Lord's Prayer at its core is the farthest thing from that exercise, Right? Instead of someone like like Ben Stiller, like we all know people who start to pray and they don't pray like anything like what they sound like. Like you have your friend that you like have chilled with your whole life and you've like seen him like chug like a like a two uh, two liter of Mountain Dew like through his nose and then he starts to and then he starts to pray. He's like, "Thou sitteth upon a throne enshrined in glory." You like just played Call of Duty and he's like, I pray, Lord, that you bequeath unto me your favor. And you're like, who are you, man? Instead of, a, of maybe a more honest prayer, which is like, hey, God, I'm sorry and I'm really hurting and I want things to be more like they should be and I really need some help. Sometimes, if you learn anything about prayer from me tonight, maybe just hear this. Sometimes the best prayer is, God, I don't know what to say, please help God, I don't know what to do and I don't have anyone to turn to. Please help me. You don't have to give God solutions. God's got that worked out. But the relationship with God is, Lord, please help. I don't even know how to think and feel in this moment. God, please help. Sometimes that's the best thing. Prayer is about honesty. It's not about outcome because prayer is about relationship. It's not about performance. Prayer is about honesty and not about outcome because prayer is about relationship and not performance. It's about our relationship with God. One thing I hear all the time from uh, young adults, and I have said it myself, uh, good old millennials and Gen Z, we all are like, what do we want to do in the world? I don't know, but I want to make a difference. <laughs> I want to change the world. You're just like, yeah, I don't know why I sang it. Um, it just, 
It just felt right in the moment. I'm so sorry. Um, but that's what you think, right? You're like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to change the world. Like, how? TikTok? Um, but the, TikTok can change the world. Listen, already probably has. But my point is this. So many of us sit around going, I want to be uniquely and individually me, and I want to change the world, and then we go out and we behave like everybody else behaves, and we go up to God and we say, hey, I have the chance to talk to the God of the universe who put all of those individual things by which I can bless the world. Hey, look, I can use the gifts that God gave me to bless the rest of the world, but when I talk to that God, I sound like an impression of the pastor I heard two Sundays ago. All of a sudden, we want to make a difference, but we don't want to act like us in front of God. Here's the thing. God blesses you with skills and talents and blessings and opportunities to bring God's kingdom here, but too many of us are doing those poor impressions to actually be used by God. God cannot use the true you if you're too busy trying to be somebody else. And that's in prayer and that's in everything else. That's in our relationship with God. Prayer is about Honesty and not outcome, because it's about relationship and not performance. It's about coming together and being honest with where you're at with the God of the universe. So as I'm saying all this, you're like, Ugh, this feels like the hard part of therapy, <laughs> like where you're like forced to like confront the, uh, <laughs> pray for my therapist, the, uh, the <laughs> for real, everybody's like, amen. Uh, here's the thing, like it, it's the hard part where you realize I'm like, uh, you thought you were coming tonight to be like, we're gonna learn some prayer things and it'll be great and it'll make me feel better about the, the, all of the unrelenting noise. And you're like, Chris, it sounds an awful lot like you're asking me to like confront my own like issues and problems. Yes, <laughs> right? Really what true, because if we're gonna talk about real and honest prayer and we, you can go hear it somewhere else where it's easier, but then it's not true because here's the thing. Prayer is about being honest with yourself and being honest with God. If you can come before God with how you're really feeling, how you're, what you're really struggling with, then that's what it looks like to come before a God honestly in prayer. Because on the outside it says, oh, just... And please don't hear me. I'm, I'm not saying this is easy. It sounds like I'm saying, oh, just be honest with God. And what it really means is quit pretending with God and quit pretending with yourself. But no matter what you're dealing with, and there's a lot of different hurts and hangups and, and, and blessings and burdens and brokenness in the room, no matter what, you're, we're all dealing with something, right? And it's not easy. If our hurts were easy, we would not call them hurts, right? Like they... We, we wouldn't even be thinking about them now, but what you're thinking about right now obviously is a hurt because if it wasn't, it wouldn't have hit your brain. But as we talk about practicing God's peace amidst unrelenting noise of life, not keeping all those plates spinning, keeping the charades going, if we're able to stop that, that can bring us a lot of peace. Instead of uh, this having the thought of, oh, I should, yeah, I should pray now. But then you're like, caught with that, that thing, that accompanying guilt, and then the insecurity of like, well, I'm like, I probably can't do it as long as I'm like supposed to do it right now. Like I probably wouldn't, like I'm like doing something else and like maybe it would be weird. So I just pray in my head, but like God probably doesn't like want that. I should probably just like pray later. But then you like don't pray later and then you forget and then you feel bad. Like there's this shame spiral that can happen around prayer when it comes to talking uh, to God and trying to articulate yourself. What we're talking about is instead getting the place where you can unburden yourself and say, God, work was hard today. 
I feel kind of lost and I feel like things aren't going right. I'm doing this thing that I studied my whole life uh, for and maybe it doesn't feel right. Maybe it's not like I thought it was gonna be. Please be with me as I try to figure that out. Give me discernment, God. We're getting to the place where we're saying, God, I'm really struggling with this relationship with this person that I love. And you're like, I love them, but I don't know how to help them what they're going through. But I know you do, God. Please guide me as I try to be there for them. Or you might feel the thought, God, I feel alone and stuck and I'm not sure if you're there. That's the God, that's the prayer that God wants to hear if that's where you are. Wherever you are, that's where God wants to be too. And that's where God already is. Just waiting for you to meet him there. If you've been carrying any of that and are unable to express that to God or even admit it to yourself, letting go of that can let go of a whole lot of that unrelenting noise. But beyond that, developing a practice by which we can regularly release those cares and worries to the creator of the universe and reorient ourselves in who we are and who we're made to be, that might not be what you were thinking of when I said we were gonna talk about prayer tonight, but that's what we're talking about. And that can change everything. So the questions that I have for us, I always have questions and challenges because I, I, I want you to be able to take something into your week. So this is, here's some questions for you. What's a concern that you've never thought to pray about? Like, it's not like a church, like, concern, but it's like maybe it's somebody that just, like, drives you up the wall at work and you, like, they call in sick and you're like, ha-ha. Like, you're just, like, excited because that stress is gone from your day. Who is someone in your life that you haven't prayed for yet? What's a stress that you have or that pit in your stomach or that thing that every time that you try not to think about because when you do, it just kind of like gets under your skin. Have you prayed about that thing? And I don't mean giving God an answer. I don't mean somehow uh, pray for it to miraculously disappear. Have you talked to God about how it makes you feel? Because the God of the universe cares and wants to be in that relationship with you. And when we are in relationship with the presence of that God of the universe, that's when things can change for us. That's when we can change. And it's amazing how many things change in that. What's a concern you've never thought to pray about? And then real practically, this is painful for some of us because you're like, yeah, I should think about that. All right, where can you plan time this week to be honest with God about that thing? I'm talking two minutes, people. When can you actually set, listen, set set, set an alarm. Put it on your calendar. Do whatever you need to do. When can God have two minutes? And I don't mean that as guilt-inducing as it sounds, but I really mean it. When can you set aside time to be like, God, I don't know how to do this. Uh, The annoying preaching guy promised he'd get off stage if I would do this, and he talked for way too long. But like, okay, so... And then you talk about whatever you're dealing with. When can you give that two minutes, five minutes, whatever it is for you? actually set time to do it. I work in a church and I could probably benefit from that practice, right? So when is a time that you can pray about that thing to God? Prayer can change our lives. Not in the sense that 
you'll gain superpowers and be in a Marvel movie or not in the sense that everything will be easy again, not in the sense that everything that you've ever struggled with will miraculously disappear because I'm not going to say none of those things happen because the God of the universe is, is infinite and majestic and wonderful. However, likelihood won't happen. But what can happen is that we are changed through our relationship with God. Our circumstances are changed through the relationship with God. And we can go through our life instead of the noise and the anxiety, we get to offload that to the God of the universe that knows us infinitely better than we, knows our, than we know ourselves. And instead of the noise bugging us about what's, what might happen and what did happen, instead the noise that you get to hear is where God's calling you next. That's what we can get from prayer. So what I'm going to do, um, I'm going to invite us to do a, a prayer exercise um, as we close um, before we worship again together. I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, I sometimes, uh, I do, so you have to do the Lord's Prayer when you do communion. And sometimes I almost mess up the Lord's Prayer because years ago, I realized the Lord's Prayer was the grocery list thing in my brain. And I think I've done, I, may, I might've done this here uh, before, but um, I rewrote the Lord's Prayer for myself so that it would mean something. These words are for me. Maybe they're not for you. Uh, maybe, maybe you can think of a better way to say it. But did you know you're allowed to do that? <laughs> so what I'm going to do is we'll all close our eyes. Uh, feel free to uh, assume any posture of receiving or listening that you, that you would like to. Um, and let me pray this over us as we, we pray this as a community. Lord God in heaven, Your name is special and holy and set apart. Bring your kingdom here, God, and we really need it. Please make this place like what you want it to be. The way that you want things to be, God, I pray that's the way they would be. Right here as it is with you. Give us, God, this day all of the things that we need. And forgive us, weary sinners, of our wrongs as we forgive those who wrong us. Keep us far from our, ta- our temptations and all of our vices, Lord. And deliver us from all evil and the evil one. You, God, you are the kingdom that we're seeking to bring here. You, God, are the glory of all the good parts of my life. We are so grateful for you, God. We thank you and we love you. And it's in your kind, holy and loving name that we pray. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Let's worship together. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.